I see all the thing about the global warming. It was on the news and on the television screens and the YouTubes. And the global warming here and there. I told them. It is what I said. I don't believe in global warming. Come and sing it now. I don't believe in global warming. Come and sing with me. Ooh. Because if I, if I believe in global warming, then uh, all I think about is the global warming. <laughs> and I see the news and everything, and I just think, uh, talk about the global warming at the dinner party with my friend. Uh, global warming! Global warming! So I sing, I don't believe in global warming, come and sing it now. Oh, I don't believe in global warming, come and sing it now. It played that one wrong. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to episode 65 of the Corbett Report. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan on this 23rd day of November, 2008. I'd like to take this opportunity, as always, to encourage my listeners to check into the website, CorbettReport.com, in order to check out previous episodes of this podcast as well as interviews, articles, and videos created and conducted by The Corbett Report. And this week I have a special announcement. I would also like to direct my listeners to the new website, alqaedadoesntexist.com. Alqaeda doesn't exist, all one word, no apostrophe, dot com. There, you will be able to watch the trailer for the forthcoming documentary, Alqaeda Doesn't Exist which is currently in production and is due to be released in December. The trailer has just been released, so it's hot off the press, and we're going to ask for your support in getting the word out about the trailer, and of course, when the film is released, we're going to need your help in getting the word out about that as well. Now, of course, we're extremely busy at the Corbett Report now, and we're just trying to keep everything together with episodes, interviews, and articles. And of course, we've suspended the weekly YouTube documentary series until the forthcoming documentary is released. So to all of you who are waiting for emails back from me, please be patient, and I will get back to you as soon as I have the time. Also, I would like to ask my listeners' understanding that in the next few weeks, as we're finishing up on this documentary, things might get very hectic here. So I plan on continuing the podcast during the next few weeks. But it may be less of me talking and more of the clips speaking for themselves in the coming few weeks. We'll see how things develop, but at the very least, I'll try to put something together each week for the podcast. So now, without further ado, let's get to today's real news. Today's first real news story comes from Reuters.com, November 19th, 2008. Texas Grand Jury Indicts Cheney Gonzalez of Crime A grand jury in South Texas indicted U.S. Vice President Dick Cheney and former Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez on Tuesday for organized criminal activity related to alleged abuse of inmates in private prisons. The indictment has not been seen by a judge who could dismiss it. The grand jury in Willisee County, in the Rio Grande Valley near the U.S.-Mexico border, said Cheney is profiteering from depriving human beings of their liberty, according to a copy of the indictment obtained by Reuters. The indictment cites a money trail of Cheney's ownership in prison-related enterprises, including the Vanguard Group, which owns an interest in private prisons in South Texas. Former Attorney General Gonzalez used his position to stop the investigations as to the wrongdoings into assaults in county prisons, the indictment said. Cheney's office declined comment. Our second story this week comes from Infowars.com, November 22, 2008. Obama picks CFR Insider to head Treasury. It's change we can believe in. 
President of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and CFR member Tim Geithner will take over the job of administering the banker bailout in January. NBC News has learned that the president-elect is preparing to roll out his economic team on Monday and will personally announce the team and answer questions. Part of an effort to reassure markets, writes Domenico Montanaro for MSNBC. Geithner was a senior fellow in the Economics Department of the Council on Foreign Relations and director of the Policy Development and Review Department at the International Monetary Fund. After obtaining an MA in International Economics and East Asian Studies from Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies in 1985, Geithner went to work for Kissinger and Associates. In 1988, he joined the International Affairs Division of the U.S. Treasury Department and was named President of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York in 2003. He is also a member of the Rockefeller Financial Advisory Body, the Group of 30, an organization comprised of members from the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, Citicorp and Citibank, the China Construction Bank, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, in short, the very heart of the international banking elite. Our final real news story this week comes from the Australian.news.com, November 20th, 2008. NSW Ombudsman calls for freeze on taser guns. The New South Wales Ombudsman has recommended a two-year freeze on further rollouts of taser guns, saying police standards for their use are inadequate and the health risks are unknown. Bruce Barber told state parliament yesterday that general duties police, who were issued the stun guns last month, were using tasers at a higher rate than special operations police, who began using them in 2002. It is clear the number of incidents where tasers will be used in the future will increase significantly, Mr. Barber said. There is already evidence of this. Tasers have been used on people on five occasions in the first two weeks of general duties use. This compares with only 48 incidents over a five-year period by special unit officers. The Ombudsman's investigations found officers from special units had predominantly used tasers from a distance, but in the first two weeks of use by general duties officers, in four out of the five incidents, the tasers were used in drive-stun mode, where the gun is applied directly to skin or clothing. The use of tasers, which stun a victim by emitting a 50,000-volt electric shock, have been linked to heart complications and death. Queensland police last week tasered a 16-year-old girl who had ignored police instructions to move on because she was waiting with a sick friend for an ambulance to arrive. Welcome, my friends, to episode 65 of the Corbett Report podcast, Carbon Indulgences. Now that the New World Order has shed off the neocons and adopted a left cover for their continuing attempt to set up and establish world government, it's time to cast our attention back to a very important topic, which we haven't covered in great depth since way back in episode 6 of the Corbett Report the anthropomorphic climate change swindle. Every week there are dozens of articles that come out about new scientific studies which further destroy the ridiculous notion that man-made, life-sustaining CO2 gases are responsible for the changing of the Earth's climate. Of course, it used to be called global warming, but now that the Earth is actually cooling, as evidenced by such things as the Arctic sea ice expanding, over an area the size of Germany over the last year. Most of the same scientists who once said that it was irrefutable that global warming was happening and would continue long into the future have now changed their tune and said that climate change is happening. And yes, it's because of man-made greenhouse gases. So if temperature goes up, it's because of man-made greenhouse gases, and if temperature goes down, it's because of man-made greenhouse gases. Well, as one of the great philosophers of science, Karl Popper, wrote, one of the necessary conditions for a theory to be considered a scientific theory is that it be disprovable by recourse to scientific experimentation. That is, it must be theoretically possible for data from some sort of experimentation to prove that the theory is false. 
in order for it to be a scientific theory. Well, it seems then that the only way for the falsifiability principle to apply to this man-made global warming hoax, or should I say the anthropogenic climate change hoax, is if the temperature were to remain exactly constant and all temperatures to remain on what their historical averages are, despite the fact, of course, that reliable climate data only goes back about a century, which is only a tiny sliver of a slice of a thin section of a geological layer in the vast history of the Earth. But just to further back up my point that in any given week you can find further scientific studies destroying the ideas of anthropogenic global warming or anthropogenic climate change adherence, I'd like to go back to the last couple of weeks for just some latest scientific studies. Uh, one of them comes from November 13th, 2008, from an article in the Daily Mail entitled Global Warming, We Are Actually Heading Towards a New Ice Age, Claim Scientists. Quote, it has plagued scientists and politicians for decades, but scientists now say global warming is not the problem. We are actually heading for the next ice age, they claim. British and Canadian experts warned the big freeze could bury the east of Britain in 6,000 feet of ice. Most of Scotland, Northern Ireland, and England could be covered in 3,000 foot thick ice fields. The expanses could reach 6,000 feet from Aberdeen to Kent, towering above Ben Nevis, Britain's tallest mountain. And what's more, the experts blame the global change on falling, rather than climbing, levels of greenhouse gases. Lead author Thomas Crowley from the University of Edinburgh and Canadian colleague William Hyde say that currently vilified greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, could actually be the key to averting the chill. The warning, published in the authoritative journal Nature, is based on records of tiny marine fossils and the Earth's shifting orbit. The Earth has seen dramatic climate fluctuations, varying between cold and warm extremes, over the past three million years, the researchers say. And changes in the Earth's orbit and slowly falling levels of carbon dioxide are the cause. End quote. Of course, such studies do nothing to deter the scientists who wish to convince you that all of the climate change that is occurring in the world is happening because of your SUV. And no, they're not even above actually fixing the data, actually lying about the data in order to do so. That comes from an article from just last week, November 17th, 2008, from PrisonPlanet.com, IPCC scientists caught producing false data to push global warming. Al Gore-linked Goddard Institute claimed hottest October on record after using temperature figures from September. Quote, Climate scientists allied with the IPCC have been caught citing fake data to make the case that global warming is accelerating, a shocking example of mass public deception that could spell the beginning of the end for the acceptance of man-made climate change theories. On Monday, NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies, run by Al Gore's chief scientific ally, Dr. James Hansen, announced that last month was the hottest October on record. This was startling, reports the London Telegraph. Across the world, there were reports of unseasonal snow and plummeting temperatures last month, from the American Great Plains to China, and from the Alps to New Zealand. China's official news agency reported that Tibet had suffered its worst snowstorm ever. In the U.S., the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration registered 63 local snowfall records and 115 lowest-ever temperatures for the month and ranked it as only the 70th warmest October in 114 years. It soon came to light that the data produced by NASA to make the claim, and in particular temperature records covering large areas of Russia, was merely carried over from the previous month. NASA had used temperature records from the naturally hotter month of September, and claimed they represented temperature figures in October. When NASA was confronted with this glaring error, they then attempted to compensate for the lower temperatures in Russia by claiming they had discovered a new hot spot in the Arctic, despite satellite imagery clearly showing that Arctic sea ice had massively expanded its coverage by 30%, an area the size of Germany, since summer 2007. 
The figures published by Dr. Hansen's Institute are one of the primary sets of data used by the IPCC to promote its case for man-made global warming, and they are widely quoted because they consistently show higher temperatures than other figures. Yet last week's latest episode is far from the first time Dr. Hansen's methodology has been called into question, reports The Telegraph. In 2007, he was forced by Mr. Watts and Mr. McIntyre to revise his published figures for U.S. surface temperatures to show that the hottest decade of the 20th century was not the 1990s, as he had claimed, but the 1930s. End quote. Again, the evidence keeps piling up that the ridiculous notion that man-made, life-sustaining CO2 gases are in fact killing the planet is a bunch of bunkum. But that does not prevent these ridiculous notions from continuing to be accepted as the scientific consensus by the politicians who are going to be working on the policies to further restrict your rights and freedoms based on this junk science. One example of that comes from American politics and, of course, the new left cover for U.S. imperialism, Barack H. Obama. One example of this comes from PrisonPlanet.com, November 21st, 2008. Get ready for the Obama Green Brigades. Nightmare global warming bill to return in January. Quote, a previously defeated bill that would reduce admissions of that evil life-giving gas that humans exhale and plants absorb, carbon dioxide, is set to return in January under an Obama administration hell-bent on passing legislation that would inflict the equivalent of a new Great Depression on America while creating a new infrastructure of green brigades and informants to regulate every aspect of our behavior. The U.S. Senate will take up two sweeping global warming bills in January in the latest sign that Barack Obama's election could quickly reverse years of U.S. foot-dragging on climate change, reports AFP. The legislation will direct the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to set up a cap-and-trade system to stem greenhouse gas emissions. Obama reiterated his endorsement for the bill on Tuesday during a speech in which he again called for an 80% reduction in carbon emissions by 2050. The only way this can be achieved, of course, is with a giant stealth tax, not only on businesses, but on individuals, backed by the giant strong arm of tyrannical enforcement by hordes of climate cops sticking their noses into our private lives, as is already embryonically being metered out in Britain. The time to start is now, said Democratic Senator Barbara Boxer, voting to step up to Obama's challenge to combat climate change and create millions of green jobs in the reeling U.S. economy. How many of these green jobs will be staffed by green brigades tasked with regulating and surveilling every aspect of your behavior to ensure your compliance with the state-mandated religion of phony environmentalism, while the state itself does everything to accelerate or ignore the real environmental problems like GM crop contamination, deforestation, genetic splicing, chemtrail spraying, cancer-causing cell phone pollution, as well as the plethora of crap being put in our water, food, and vaccines like sodium fluoride, MSG, aspartame, mercury, pesticides, and rat poison. All of these real problems are pushed aside by the almighty threat of climate change, despite the fact that the climate has always changed throughout eons of history with no contribution by man. End quote. I would like to pick up on one of the key phrases from that article, one that I think is very apt. In that article, Paul Joseph Watson writes of the, quote, state-mandated religion of phony environmentalism, end quote. Now, long-term listeners of the Corbett Report might remember way back from episode 6, when we played a clip of the now recently deceased Michael Crichton talking about environmentalism as a religion. This is indeed a meme that keeps cropping up when we start talking about this new phony environmental movement that seeks to distract us from the real environmental problems that are occurring right now and threaten life on this planet as we know it, 
even the very genetic code of life on this planet. But is this just an apt analogy for the way that people will turn off their minds when they start looking at the evidence against this man-made climate change theory? Or is there something deeper underlying this meme? An indulgence is a spiritual favor granted by the church to sinners. The church teaches that through indulgences, the punishments for sins that have already been forgiven by a priest are eliminated, thereby removing obstacles on the path to heaven. In the early days of the church, indulgences could only be obtained by making difficult spiritual sacrifices, such as going on a pilgrimage to a holy shrine. Unfortunately, by Luther's time, the original, purely spiritual intention of indulgences had become corrupted, for now indulgences were an important source of income for the church, and could be purchased for cash, just like any other commodity, with no need for any spiritual sacrifice at all. And it was this practice of turning something spiritual into a mere business transaction that brought Luther's condemnation at the church of Wittenberg Castle. Am I the only one who sees a connection between that and this? What is a carbon footprint? Well, nearly everything we do, create, or buy adds to the carbon dioxide being released into the atmosphere, which causes global warming. So, we look at the amount of carbon dioxide created by the habits of an individual or a business and call it their footprint. Now, all footprints are different sizes, but uh, we all have them. These days, it seems like almost everyone has started making some changes towards a more eco-friendly life. And at BEF, we can help you discover even more simple ways to soften your impact. But we also realize that reducing our carbon footprint only goes part of the way to a truly clean lifestyle. That's why we've developed our Carbon Offsets program. At BEF, we view a carbon offset as an investment in clean energy. Because burning fossil fuels for energy is the main cause of global warming, we decided to focus our efforts there, at the root of the problem. It's actually quite simple. Your carbon offset allows you to make an important decision. Dirty fossil fuels or clean energy. Finally, you have a choice, just like you can choose between fuel-efficient or gas-guzzling vehicles. When you take responsibility for your carbon footprint, the funds go directly to build BEF's wind and solar projects. And when we produce clean energy and feed it into the system, or energy pool, the dirty non-renewable sources are scaled back as wind and solar take over, which means less carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Changing the way we create energy is the most meaningful way to slow down and eventually stop climate change. This is an evolution of the way we live on our planet that cannot wait. Offsets give us the power to choose this change right now. BEF also guarantees that your support of clean energy is money properly spent. Green E, a national third-party certification, ensures that we deliver what we say we will deliver. Clean, renewable energy. Take a look at our footprint calculator and see what steps you can take. Reduce what you can and offset what you can't. It's easier than you think. Oh, but only if we had a political leader that we could turn to to sacrifice ourselves and absolve us of our carbon sins. But keep in mind, you're right. We can't tell them don't grow. We can't uh, drive our SUVs and, you know, eat as much as we want and keep our homes on, you know, 72 degrees at all times. And uh, whether we're living in a desert or we're living in the tundra, and and then just expect that every other country is going to say, okay, you know, you guys go ahead and keep on using 25% of the world's energy, even though you only account for 3% of the population, and we'll we'll be fine. Don't worry about us. Following up on Mike's question, 
You've earned a reputation in the campaign for sometimes saying things that people don't want to hear. I mean, I think you, I remember you calling teachers, saying we, merit pay might need to be on the table in America. You told peace activists that, no, we may in fact have to spend more to rebuild a military that's been wrecked in right. Iraq. You just mentioned going to Detroit and telling. Right. Give me some examples of what you will tell Americans that we don't necessarily want to hear. Well, uh, uh, number one, we're going to have to start doing a better job of conserving on energy. Uh, Americans like to drive their big SUVs. They like to leave all the lights on in their house. We're going to have to change our habits. If we want to deal with uh, climate change, which I think we have to deal with, we're seeing already uh, down in the southeast, I mean, they're seeing drought that they haven't seen in a very long time. Western states, same problem. We're, there, it is indisputable that the climate's getting warmer. And that's going to affect farmers. It's going to affect uh, ordinary folks. If we want to do something serious about that, it's not going to be painless. Uh, we're going to have to cap the emission of greenhouse gases. That means that power plants are going to have to adjust how they uh, generate power. They will pass on those costs to consumers. We will have to guard against low-income uh, and fixed-income uh, individuals having to pay more for electricity. Uh, but a lot of us who can afford it are going to have to pay more per, uh, per unit of electricity. And that means we're going to have to change our light bulbs. We're going to have to you know, close, uh, shut the lights off in, in our houses. And, and those are adjustments that won't, over the long term, affect our standard of living. Uh, but it does mean that we've got to show some responsibility to the next generation, something we haven't been doing. How do you yes, the modern anthropogenic climate change theorists are just part of a religious cult, a cult that is seeking to tell you that your carbon footprint is killing the earth and therefore you must sacrifice part of yourself in order for the earth to survive. This goes back to very old ideas, ideas that presented in a religious context would be seen as backward, outmoded, superstitious thinking, but presented in the green garb of this new environmental movement suddenly provides an acceptable outlet for the enactment of a very old underlying archetype in the human psyche, the idea that we must sacrifice ourselves to appease the earth gods. Now this is an extremely important point. It's not trivial at all, this connection that is being made here. And I'm not making it because either I believe in this new phony environmental religion, or that I'm in any way seeking to discredit people who have heartfelt religious convictions. What I'm seeing is that the very same elite that we've met time and time again in previous episodes of the Corbett Report podcast, the Bilderbergers, the CFR members, the Trilateral Commission members, the Rockefellers, the string pullers behind the scenes, are using their knowledge of the human psyche against us in a carefully planned attack in which we become the enemies of ourselves. This is social engineering on a grand scale, much grander than most people would think about in their everyday lives. But it is going on. And this is not a theory. This is actually documented by the string pullers themselves, in their own words. Before getting into that, just a word about carbon offsets, since we brought it up in the context of carbon indulgences. For those who are further interested in that topic, you might want to check out the Great Carbon Offset Swindle on YouTube, which is in fact a presentation by a man-made climate change believer, an environmental activist, who seeks to expose the fact that the so-called clean development mechanism by which the Kyoto Protocol regulates the carbon offset market, a market that's going to expand to a $36 billion market by 2012, is in fact not even having the effect that it's supposedly going to have in reducing carbon emissions. In fact, it's increasing carbon emissions. But of course, following on the religious analogy, it really doesn't matter what the actual physical results of these carbon offsets are in the real world. The only thing that matters is the perception, what we believe to be happening, the way that it makes us feel when we contribute to carbon offset programs whether mandatory programs like those regulated by the Kyoto Protocol or the voluntary programs by which individuals can atone for their egregious sins of taking long-distance flights or driving long distances in their car. Another aspect of the whole carbon offset market is, of course, who is getting the money from these carbon offsets. 
And one example of the ridiculous nature of this market comes from a WorldNet Daily article from March 2007 entitled, Gore's Carbon Offsets Paid to Firm He Owns. Critics say justification for energy-rich lifestyle serves as a way for former VP to profit. And that article reads in part, quote, Al Gore defends his extraordinary personal energy usage by telling critics he maintains a carbon-neutral lifestyle by buying carbon offsets, but the company that receives his payments turns out to be partly owned and chaired by the former vice president himself. Gore has built a green money-making machine capable of eventually generating billions of dollars for investors, including himself, but he set it up so that the average Joe can't afford to play on Gore's terms, writes blogger Dan Reel. End quote. Now, stepping away from the carbon offset idea in particular and looking at the larger agenda of the people putting forward the anthropogenic climate change myth, it's important to see how this feeds into the religion of environmentalism. And a good way of starting to look into that would be to look at Mikhail Gorbachev, the Knight of the Green Cross, who writes openly about his interest in founding a New World Order religion under the cloak of environmentalism. Again, you can't make this stuff up, and for people who are more interested in exploring that avenue, I suggest you check out another YouTube video by a very interesting and informative YouTube user using the handle Matterik, who is in Sweden and also has a podcast, which I suggest my listeners check out. He has some very interesting stuff, and in his YouTube videos, he reads from a lot of the very important source documents about the things that we touch on in the Corbett Report. He has one video up in which he quotes from Mikhail Gorbachev's book, A Search for a New Beginning, under the title Gorbachev on the New World Order and New Age Religions. It's a two-part video, and again, I suggest my listeners check that out if they want to find out more about Mikhail Gorbachev and his connections to this New World Order environmental religion. But to get right to the heart of the matter, and to understand how the people at the very top don't themselves believe in this religion, they are just simply trying to socially engineer us into accepting our own coming enslavement in the coming world government. We have to go to an organization of which Mikhail Gorbachev is a member, along with Al Gore, Jimmy Carter, and many other prominent politicians and public officials. And that group is, in fact, a globalist think tank known as the Club of Rome. Now, the Club of Rome is a think tank that focuses a lot on climate change. In fact, if you go to their homepage, clubofrome.org, as I sit and record this episode of the podcast, you can read some of their top headlines about understanding the challenges behind climate change. Indeed, it seems like the Club of Rome is very much in tune with and cares about the environment, and wants to affect policies of governments worldwide to combat the coming climate change problem. Indeed, the Club of Rome and its members, like Gorbachev and Gore and Jimmy Carter and all the rest, do sincerely care about man-made climate change because they invented it. Well, they invented the theory at any rate. Or so they say in their own publications. In 1991... The Club of Rome put out a publication entitled The First Global Revolution. The entire document is now available online at archive.org. And of course, once again, listeners are reminded that all of the documents cited in today's episode can be found from CorbettReport.com under the documentation section of today's episode. And on page 75 of The First Global Revolution, put out by the Club of Rome in 1991, you can read the following startling passage under the headline, The Common Enemy of Humanity is Man. Quote, In searching for a common enemy against whom we can unite, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. In their totality and their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat, which must be confronted by everyone together. But in designating these dangers as the enemy, we fall into the trap, which we have already warned readers about, namely mistaking symptoms for causes. 
all these dangers are caused by human intervention in natural processes, and it is only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. End quote. Again, that comes directly from their own publication, this globalist think tank, which is seeking openly for the establishment of world government, is seeking to create common enemies, realizing that the only way that people will unite is in struggle, is in war, and the only way to achieve global unification is to have a global war. And if everyone is at war, the only enemy that everyone can be at war with simultaneously is, of course, ourselves. This is a very profound point. This is exactly what we mean when we say that the social engineers are inculcating us to believe in this environmental religion in which we must sacrifice ourselves for the earth. And again, this is not even something we believe or even infer about these people who are openly attempting to set up world government. It's something that they write in their own publications. But again, there are still people out there who would even dismiss this evidence. Oh yes, of course they say they want to do this. Of course they say they take credit for inventing the idea of man-made global warming. And yes, they say they want to make man the enemy of humanity and start a war against ourselves. But they don't really mean it that way. Oh really? Sayanythingblog.com December 21st, 2007 Congress has banned your light bulbs. Quote, Washington, D.C. Among the regulations packed into the newest energy bill that just passed Congress this week, a ban on the incandescent light bulb will officially end what Edison started 130 years ago. If you outlaw light bulbs, then only outlaws will have light bulbs, says Libertarian Party Executive Director Shane Corey. The ban on incandescent light bulbs may seem almost comical, says Corey, but it raises several red flags on the level of government intrusion in people's lives. From the toilets in your bathroom to the lights in your ceiling, there are very few consumer products free from some form of government regulation. I seriously doubt regulating light bulbs was intended to be a necessary and proper role of the federal government. Incandescent light bulbs will begin to be phased out in 2012, with a complete ban finalized in 2014. Manufacturers will be forced to switch to compact fluorescent bulbs, which can cost more than six times as much as the common incandescent bulb. While CFL bulbs are much more energy efficient, to maintain the bulb's longevity and achieve maximum efficiency, consumers must adhere to proper operating suggestions made by Congress, such as leaving the bulb turned on for at least 15 minutes. Not only do consumers have to alter how they use lights in their house, they must also take a number of precautions with CFL bulbs that were unnecessary when using incandescent bulbs, says Libertarian Party media coordinator Andrew Davis. Because of the toxic levels of mercury in CFL bulbs, consumers will need to check with their waste management providers for proper disposal methods, and consumers will also have to research how to clean up broken bulbs. End quote. Or how about this article from mirror.co.uk, 3rd of July 2008. Man jailed for dropping apple core has charges dropped. Quote, a man who spent a night in jail accused of dropping an apple core has had all charges against him dropped. Keith Hurst, 54, has vowed to clear his name and was due to appear in court tomorrow, but prosecutors decided to withdraw the case rather than fund a costly trial. One legal expert said it would cost at least £5,000. Mr. Hurst of Swinton said, I am relieved, but the whole thing has been a waste of money. A community support officer accused him of dropping the core in April and tried to issue a £50 on-the-spot fine for littering. Mr. Hurst, who has a heart condition, denied it, but was held for 18 hours and had his DNA and fingerprints taken. End quote. Or how about this article, BBC News, 31st of January 2008. Euro MPs back patio heaters ban. A call for a ban on outdoor heaters has been backed by the European Parliament. Quote, 
MEPs voted to endorse a report that says a timetable should be set to phase out patio heaters as well as standby modes on televisions. Report author Fiona Hall, a British MEP, says significant steps have been taken to cut CO2 emissions, and a ban should at least be considered. But experts disagree about the impact outdoor heaters have on the environment compared with other appliances. A climate change expert commissioned by the UK's biggest supplier of one of the fuels used by patio heaters, liquefied petroleum gas, Kalor, said the overall impact of the heaters on emissions was very minimal. Dr. Eric Johnson, national expert reviewer for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, said that plasma TVs produced more carbon than patio heaters under normal usage patterns. But Fiona Hall told the BBC that figures she had seen showed that if a car was run for a year, it would emit three tons of carbon dioxide, while the figure for an outdoor heater would be four tons. Many people are already aware that patio heaters produce significant amounts of carbon dioxide, she said. It's important that we at least look into taking them off the market. End quote. What is being slotted into place before our very eyes is a regulatory control grid through which government-sanctioned Green Brigade bureaucrats are going to be micromanaging every detail of your life, from what kind of light bulbs you use in your house, to how you use those light bulbs, to whether or not you can use a patio heater, and if you were even suspected of committing the sacrilege of dropping an apple core on the ground, you will be going to jail overnight. You will have your DNA and your fingerprints taken, and you will shut up and take it. This is a fundamental change in society. It is scientifically crafted tyranny that is being slotted into place under left cover. Tyranny is tyranny whether it comes from the left and their phony global warming scam or the right and their phony war on terror scam. It leads society in the same direction. And until we wake up and realize this, nothing is going to change. Let's listen to some of the analysis of that information about that faked IPCC data, which was released earlier this week, from an edition of the Alex Jones Show from last Wednesday, November 19th. Even when it's openly being trumpeted and announced in front of them, which is the final trick of the magician, of the controllers, Even when it's out in their face, even as as the impending economic and social doom accelerates all around us, they still can't see it because their egos are bound up in the false image of the world they hold so dear. The cognitive dissonance. An example of that is a division of NASA, Goddard, the head climatologist there, Al Gore's little front man, pushing for world taxation, regulation of all human output and activity. That's what it is. Neo-feudalism. Total serfdom. He has been caught, as well as the United Nations, over and over again, falsifying climate data. They just lie about what the weather stations all over the world and the exact weather records show. And they import fake numbers on a planetary scale, and they get caught, and they say, hey, we don't care. And then they just import new fake numbers and get caught over and over again. And instead of the religious followers of the new earth religion, which is the old earth religion, but it centers around hatred of humanity and our activities, because the elite hates us, it's a way to give the general public their basic template view that the elite has, to pass that mindset on. They don't respond with, oh my God, we've been lied to. Oh my gosh, uh, the whole solar system was heating up for the last 30, 40 years. And now it's suddenly f cooling down really fast. And oh my goodness, ice caps on moons of Saturn and Jupiter are... Expanding. Liquid oceans on moons of planets and 
systems are freezing again. The sun doesn't have a single thermal flare on its surface. No massive Coriolis ejections. The giant sun flares. The purest spots through a telescope. There's none. That's never been recorded in the 300 years that the sun has been accurately studied and the universities have been marking down sunspot activity. And so in the space of a year, they have gone from saying it's global warming to climate change, and now they're switching, saying we've got to control carbon dioxide. It's causing an ice age. And they talk about climate stability and stopping climate change. You always have climate change. But Paul Watson wrote a story about the other mainstream news articles about NASA falsifying data. And, and by the way, NASA blew the whistle on this. You know, it, it's There's other divisions of NASA exposing that it's really the sun and exposing the quacks that are discrediting them over at Goddard, named after the Nazi. The Goddard Space Center. But people went into the comment section and they said, I'll take science over Alex Jones. Or I'll take NASA's science over Alex Jones. Uh, the article isn't about Alex Jones. The, the article is NASA admitting and the UN admitting that they accidentally, year after year, continue to import on a planetary scale fake data. By the way, the data is fed into them. They go in and falsify it. They go in and change it. These aren't mistakes. These are facts. These are weather stations in Moscow and New York and McMurdle Weather Station, Antarctica. They go in and they falsify them. They go in and they'll take a month or two months before They'll take a summer month, and they'll stick it in the fall month. And there's not a response by those of you. Now, now at the top, it's a cold-blooded scientific way to tax all human activity, regulate us, make humans bad, make us the enemy, uh, tax us for breathing. <clears throat> the ultimate joke in your face. But it's a perfect world tax to control people. But knowing that you have a vacuum for religion, a, a vacuum for what they would call superstition. The social engineers have, have made you this new earth religion, and you're just lapping it up. And that's where we're going to have to leave this week's episode. Suffice it to say that this topic is extremely important and one that will become of increasing importance as this administration unfolds. And just as it took several years for the general population in the United States to really start seeing through the puppet George Bush and understanding just what a threat to liberty his administration represented, I'm afraid it's going to take years for the general population to be able to see through Barack Obama and understand that the traditional left cover is just another way of bringing us into tyranny. The stakes of the game could not be higher so it's important that we start an education outreach to the Obamazoids who are caught in this matrix to help them understand that we don't need to atone for our sins to appease the gods of nature. What we need is to stand up for real environmental issues, the deforestation, the pumping of toxic chemicals into lakes and rivers, the rampant genetic engineering and tampering with the food supply, which is already causing significant damage to ourselves and our environment. These are the issues that politicians aren't touching, and it's self-evident by now that when things become a political third rail, that's because they are actually important issues. Educate yourself about the Obama administration and what they plan to do, and I'll assign that for your homework. But I'll give you a couple of articles to get started, one from Bloomberg.com from October 16th, headlined, Obama to declare carbon dioxide dangerous pollutant and one from Raw Story on November 18th, 2008, under the headline, Obama Promises Return to Global Climate Change Negotiations. Get out there and get educated, and get others educated about this important issue. Finally, I'd just like to say that I hope this weekend you spent some time either protesting the Fed or checking out the End the Fed protest activities at endthefed.us and supporting them in whatever way is possible. 
And also, I hope you've spent some time checking out the media and their response to the 45th anniversary of the JFK assassination. I wanted to write an article about the anniversary coverage in the news media and the continuing blackout on the incredible testimony of E. Howard Hunt, his deathbed confession, as being part of the plan to assassinate John F. Kennedy, more information about which came out last month when Infowars.com released video footage of E. Howard Hunt's confession. And again, I'll put links to that in the documentation section for today's episode to help you get the word out to others about this incredible information that the corporate-controlled media will not tell you. Thank you once again for listening to this week's episode and for all of your support for CorbettReport.com and AlQaedaDoesn'tExist.com. And I look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of The Corbett Report. indisputable that the climate's getting warmer. And that's going to affect farmers, it's going to affect uh, ordinary folks. If we want to do something serious about that, it's not going to be painless.